Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Heather Remick is the COO of Chantel Ray Real Estate. After graduating from Virginia Tech with a degree in political science and a concentration in legal studies, Heather discovered real estate, obtained her license, and began selling as a full-time career. A few years later, she joined Chantel Real Estate as an admin, taking on any administrative tasks she could. Shortly after joining, she began selling again and worked as an agent for several years. Heather started from a lower-level management position and worked her way up. She established various processes to help the company become more efficient, and she did this for all departments as she grew through the company to streamline their operations. Two years ago, Heather was promoted to COO, overseeing all operations of the company. This allows her to go into each department on a regular basis and make sure their systems and processes work seamlessly, always finding ways to become more scalable and more efficient. Last year, Heather co-founded a marketing and media company called Simpronto, which she also serves as the COO, where she oversees all operations. When she isn't working, she enjoys spending time with her family, her husband, Kyle, their two children, Braden, nine, and Adlin, six, and being their cheerleader at all their events. So Heather, thanks for joining us and welcome to the Second Grand Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You are busy. Two companies, two kids, husband, um, growing career. How do you manage all that? You know, I think that um, schedule is key. We are very, we're a very scheduled family. Um, we we get up early and uh, we are in bed. If you try to get me after nine o'clock, it's it's a no go because I'm asleep because I'm usually back up at four thirty. Oh um, you know, it's just I feel like there's seasons in your life where you have a lot of opportunities and a lot of um, you know just different areas that you know I'll look back on this one day and and miss the chaotic. Um, craziness of life, but I feel like I'm in a season where I'm getting, I have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of great things. Mm. And I want my kids to see that you can be a little bit of everything and be successful at it. And you don't have to give up one thing um, to be, you know, still a great mom and a great wife, um, but also an entrepreneur and a a business leader. Good for you. And the 4.30, is that kind of their whole miracle morning idea from Hal Elrod or what what got you started on that? Well, um, you know, it's it's been an it's been a process. I will say at times I have neglected myself, and um, you know that's usually the first thing that you give up is is self care. And so uh, about a couple of years ago, I made the decision that in order to um, I'm still young, and so in order to be the most successful that I can be, I needed to take care of myself as well. And there's mm-hmm. only so many hours in the day, and so you know I decided that those first hours are my most productive. And I needed to get up and take that time for myself. So I actually, that's when I get up and I exercise. Um, I have a a Peloton bike, so I ride every morning. And that is my kind of freedom time. I can get myself set on a schedule. Um, I like the, I, I use the Michael Hyatt planner and it tells you like your three, you know, you check off each day. And so I write them out. And so I hold myself accountable um, to making sure I get those things done. So that's how I started the 430. I, I, it, I, it took some progress. Um, I'd have to kind of, you know, first it was like 530 and then I pushed it to five because I just wasn't getting enough time in the morning. Um, and so that is, that's my me time. And that's before my kids get up, um, before the craziness starts of the day, I'm able to kind of get some time in for myself. Good for you. Does your husband get up at the same time or does he sleep in? 
Um, no, he, he'll usually sleep in my husband, even which makes our situation even more unique. My husband is an oil rig engineer and Whoa. so he is not based at home. So he's gone about two thirds of the year, um, offsite on an oil rig. And so I am, uh, by myself a lot of the time. And so like he's gone right now during wow. all this craziness, which is kind of good and kind of bad. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he kind of fits in our schedule. So he, he does what, when he comes home, he just, he follows suit. Like he just gets in schedule. Well, being based in Virginia beach, you must be friends with all the seal moms then. Yeah. Yes. There's lots of, we have lots of support here, even though I'm not a military wife and I never, ever claim to be, you know, they go through a lot of stuff. Um, we have similarities and, yeah. um, yeah, you're just, it's, it's straight. You gotta be strong and just keep moving. Very cool. I was at a wedding there years ago with um, a guy that was in the Navy SEALs and it was interesting to hear some of the stories of their families and how yeah. they, they just kind of work through stuff. Yes. So you said you got a background with some, some legal um, yes. tie in as well. That was actually my undergrad as well was a bachelor's in, in law. So mm -hmm. what do you think you pulled with you from the legal studies um, focus that you, what do you use today that you learned back then? Well, yeah. So my original plan was I was going to go to law school. That's what I wanted to do. And um, when I graduated from college, literally my first week out of school, I discovered real estate and I saw this legal contract and I was like, wow, this is, this is neat. Like I get to do, con I could do contracts, but not have to go to law school and have another uh, mortgage payment on top of it. So I decided to get my real estate license and give it a whirl. And so um, I, you know, I'm a detailed person on the disc personality scale. I'm a CD. Um, I love the details. I like to read. And I think that's what compliments, um, like our president and our CEO, uh, she is, she's not a, not a high C. And so that's where I come in. Like we're the yin to the yang. And so I, I take a lot of, you know, I read everything really well. I, I make sure I know the details of every process and system. Um, anything that we're signing up for, I do the due diligence research and make sure it's going to really fit with our company and what we're trying to do. And so I would say I take a lot of that. Um, you know, I just love doing the research part of it. And I learned a lot of that in doing, you know, like um, I took constitutional law. And so I was able to le read legal briefs and then, um, you know, write briefs on those. And that I believe has helped me in being able to really read something and summarize it for someone like, mm. you know, CEOs want information quick, short and to the yep. point. And yep. so that's what I'm yep. able to do is just get all the information and then give them the three second blurb of why we need this or why we don't. It's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. The legal briefs is a big skill that we actually pulled to take that entire case and summarize it down to the kind of just what it net out to be. It's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just the nitty gritty. I remember at one point when I realized I should not be practicing law, I was sitting on a plane and I was reading a French legal agreement. So and I, I'd studied French in school as well for a couple of years. So here I am reading a contract that's in French and it's Quebec, which is French civil code, not English common law. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Like I don't speak French well <laughs> enough to be doing this. I didn't really study law. I only did two years yes. of contract law and I'm reading one in a case like that I don't even understand their whole precedent system. Maybe I should get a lawyer to actually read this one. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it's nice to understand it, but not to practice it. So very exactly. scheduled. You mentioned something about that, that um, you're very accountable. You hold yourself accountable. Yes. Someone, people always say, well, how do you hold your employees accountable? And I've said, we can't. Mm -hmm. So what do you do around accountability with people? What's your thoughts related to that? Yeah. So uh, we are huge, huge with accountability. And, you know, we always, we give people, we give, I give people in my organization this example. I say, listen, even LeBron James has a trainer. 
Um, LeBron James does not wake up every single day and is like, today I am, you know, I'm super motivated and I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And I don't need anybody to tell me to do this or to hold me accountable. And so we kind of give that example. And I, you know, as it, as humans, we are just not wired that way to say, you know, I'm going to, even myself, like I can't, I hold myself pretty accountable, but I still have times where I have to reach out to someone and say, listen, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z. I need you to check in on me because no matter how strong you are or how, how well you are with that, that is, you know, it's just not the human nature for that. And so what we do is we have, um, I have everybody in our company makes three commitments every single week. And these are the three things that they are going to get done. And so I tell them, listen, it's, if I laid, so they'll come back to me and say, oh, I got, you know, I got two of them done, but I only, I didn't get this one done. And so then I'll say, you know, well, what happened? What got in the way? Oh, you know, my kid was sick. And I said, well, let me ask you this question. If I said, if you get this task done, but I'm going to give you a thousand dollars, would you have finished it? And they're like, well, yeah, I would have finished it. And I'm like, that's how we have to act every day. So no matter what happens, I got kids, you've got kids, everyone has times where they get sick, but we've got to dig deep in ourselves. And so we do a lot of different things. We'll do um, departments versus departments. So I'll take like my video department versus my web department and whichever team completes their commitments to the highest percentage is going to get lunch delivered to them. Awesome. And so you have to hold people accountable. Um, but you have to do it in a way where they don't feel like you're micromanaging them because that's the big like buzzword. Yeah. I like that. You're actually asking some questions to get them to see for themselves that they could have done it instead of just saying you could have done it, you could have done it, which doesn't do anybody any good. You're kind of opening their eyes to realize they probably could have done it or found a better way and helping you remove those obstacles. It's smart. You have to bring them to self-realization. And so we, in, a, in, our, in the real estate company, we have independent contractors. All of our agents are independent contractors. They don't have to ever come in an office if they don't want to. They don't ever have to speak to us if they don't want to. They're 1099. So I, we do not have any like legal way to hold them accountable. But what we do is we have taught our managers to do this exact same exercise with them, but in a way that they're leading themselves to self-discovery. And so giving them examples, for instance, like, well, um, you know, I'll say, what is your goals for this month? Like what, how many houses do you want to close? You know, I'd love to close two houses this month. Great. So what are, what are some activities that you're going to do to, to try to get that done? And so we go through this scripting role play with them to bring them to their own goal. And then I say, is it okay with you if I check in with you next week to see how you did on this? And they're like, yeah, you know, then they feel like you care about their success but then when I do check in with them next week and they, they didn't hit their goal, I'm going to go through that same activity with them. And I'm going to say, you know, listen, what, what, what else could you have done? Do you think that if, if you had one more hour in the day, could you have finished this? You know, if you, if you would have spent one more hour prospecting, could you have got an extra appointment? And they're like, yeah, probably. I'm like, well, are you willing to recommit to that next week? Cause I'd love to check in with you again. Cause I really think you can do this. And so it's just that positive. They don't realize you're holding them accountable. You kind of trick them into it. Yeah, yeah. But but people need that and that it builds a culture of accountability and that's really, really important for us. Very cool. I love the systems approach to it. I love that you're all holding them accountable. I love that you're actually thinking about it from their perspective and kind of, kind of coaching them and cheering them on as well. The um, you've got, you mentioned to me earlier, you've got four locations and two of them are now virtually or remote locations. You did mm-hmm. that behold the COVID-19 crisis. How many employees are you managing and, and where are the four locations? Are they all in the same state or different states? Just give us a scope. Yeah. So yeah, about six months ago, we kind of had a revisioning and, you know, we were like, 
one of the things that we thought was that in order to expand, we needed storefronts. And that was kind of our closed-minded um, thinking. In the real estate industry, you think like, oh, the only way I can gain, you know, ground is by having these storefronts everywhere. And so we started to take a different approach to that. And so we, we kind of set the vision to our management team about six months ago, and we started to put some things into place. And so literally right before all of this happened, we had our, you know, we do a company-wide uh, awards banquet slash meeting, and we cast the new vision to them. Not really new, like we call it our tweaked vision, where we're going to, um, move some of our locations virtual and we had already moved two of them to two of them virtually and so what we did was instead of having we still have our a few storefronts but we've we've turned them into hubs and so we were able to to move for instance like i'll give you an example we had we have about 180 agents and we had seven locations so we've narrowed it down to four um they're all within the same well no they're they're within two states now so virginia and north carolina and so well, the first thing we did was we used to have weekly classes in the offices. And so what we did was we slowly started transitioning these to virtual, like on Zoom. Um, and then so like broker training class. One, it expanded. So people who might have been busy and said, I'm not going to drive to the office, weren't getting, weren't taking advantage of the great trainings that we were offering. Now we're like, oh, well, it's online. I can watch it. And we saw an increase in participation in that. And so those are the things we started to do is to start to take um, and take things from just being so much in office to a virtual training environment. That was kind of our first step that we did. And then um, it's funny because obviously COVID-19 has sped things up a little bit. We've been able to take our admin positions um, that were in those locations and those have become virtual. So we have what we call branch office administrators. Those were um, the administrators that were in each of our branches and we've turned them into VOAs. We love, we love good acronyms. Those are our virtual office assistants. And now we're able to, the, the really great thing about going virtual is where we had a limited talent pool before because we yeah. needed a physical person. Yep. We're now able to, anyone, anywhere can work for us. So literally our talent pool has just exploded because I can have somebody who's a phenomenal um, office assistant, accountant. We don't have to meet face-to-face -face with these people. And we have developed really great systems to be able to track um, what they're doing, set goals, and now we can have people who maybe wouldn't have drove to an office for a job who can work virtually. Um, our, we're just seeing an abundance of talent that we, we had kind of limited ourselves on. Okay, so knowing that, and I'll be a little controversial, knowing that you told me before that you're still coming into the office, some of you, so why, why, uh -huh. the, why the push to still come into the office when you've also got the knowledge that this was already working before we needed to work remote? You guys yeah. were already starting to crush it. What's, yeah. what, what do you like yeah. or what are you holding on to that's still at the office? Yes. Well, so we have a hot, lot of high eyes that work for us. So as you know, okay. in the disc personality, those people like to be around people. Yeah. And um, it's funny because I actually talked to our director of web development this morning. He was he had come in my office to talk about something. Your director said, of what? Web development. Oh, I thought you said love development. I'm no. like, damn, that is like taking the whole people. We need thing one of those. Yeah. 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 Um, he had, he said, you know, I worked 19 years remotely and he's like, I would pay anything to come to an office because it is so lonely working at home. And so we do have a few key positions. Our call center um, is is still working in the office. We have, but we have done um, remote testing with them. So yes. we have done some shifts from home, and we still have some shifts in the office. Yeah. And so we're just trying to like gradually make that change. 
ultimately, um, you know, we, we still, of course, like being around each other a little bit, right. distancing at this point, we keep our distance and we I have think good that's really what it is, is just, we like it. We like, like to be around people. I yeah. Think, I think we're going to see a shift where a lot of companies will recognize that going remote can work and will work and does work. But I think there's still that, but I like it anyway. It's like, you know, why do we eat, you know, in an oat burger yeah. once in a while? Cause I kind of like it once in a while, yeah. like maybe twice a year. Right. I know it's bad for me, but what the right. hell? Like I, I also yeah. have to live my life once in a while too. Yeah. All right. Where are you learning? I mean, and how big was the organization when you joined? Oh, so um, when we, when I first joined, we were a part of another brokerage. So we were like a team okay. um, and, and we grew into what you would hear now is called a mega team. So when I first started working, there was probably like 15 agents and three of us admin. Um, okay. I was a, I was selling real estate and you know, I had, it was like, I, I kept looking at this Chantel's website and back then it was a, she, she had her little dog and she, and all of her little pictures. And I was like, what is this? Her signs are popping up everywhere. And I was like, we've got to research what she's doing. And then finally it was like, we can't mimic her. We need to just join her. And so wow. I came on as just, you know, as an admin position. Um, and within a few months I was selling again and it was just, it, it was really small, but it just, she just had this kind of electric, um, energy and I would find myself, I I'm a very efficient worker. And so I'm not somebody who's going to just sit around and, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'll, I only have really six hours worth of work to do. So I'm going to stretch it out to eight. I get yeah. my work done. And then I would go in and say, you know, I finished everything for the day. Is there anything else I can help you with? And she's like, Oh yes. Cause I was like, I've got to learn from this person like this, this, I'm not going to pass up on this opportunity. And, um, as she saw that I could do certain things, I would get more responsibility and get, you know, more things and get opportunities to manage teams. And so, um, that, that just allowed me to really start to develop and yeah. And so I just, I was like the apprentice. I mean, I just stood on her hip and was like, whatever she's going to teach me, we're just, and we just grew and we grew and we grew even, and I was in real estate when the, when the recession was happening. So like 2008 yeah. and the market was tanking, but our company grew by like 40% each year. And that was because she is a marketing guru. And when people were pulling out cause they didn't have the money, um, she was buying their radio spots. She was buying their ad space and we were just like killing it. So you and just, you just kind of Audrey shucks your way over something that is, is massive right now. And it's that it's Warren Buffett has said it for years. When people are greedy, be fearful. When people are fearful, be greedy. Yes. When people were running away from marketing, she was running into the radio stations, yes. billboard companies and saying, give me more, give me more, yes. probably getting good rates on it and yes. loading up the truck. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Cash is king in a recessionary market. Anyone who's investing right now in their brand or in marketing or in, um, and even in their people right now, are you guys making good investments on growing your people? Yes, yes. And that's the other thing is we're already seeing the recruiting increase because agents know um, where to go when it gets bad. And yeah. The, the writings on the wall, but yeah, we, we, this is a time when we're really encouraging, you know, our, even just our employees to, we, we pour into them every week. Um, everyone listens to a management, like a leadership podcast. Um, we've really been focusing lately on, um, how to, what, what we need to be doing in this virtual environment, like virtual showings for our agents. Um, you know, just, there's a lot of things that we kind of need to do just to, uh, 
to move to where the market's moving. And so we encourage everyone every week. It's, we don't just, one of the things that um, we have a management meeting every single week and they, they have to listen to some podcasts and sometimes we give them great ones to listen to. Sometimes we let them pick their own. They don't come, they can't come and give us a summary. They have to come and give us an implementation and they get extra okay, points. What's, if what's that mean? Walk me through that. Yeah. So um, what we were finding when we first started it was we would get these really great cliff notes of what they listened to. And it was like, um, say for instance, they were listening to. Oh, so I like, I learned all this stuff, but I'm not going to yeah. do anything with it. Correct. So ah. yes. So if they send us that, we're like, that was nice, but where's your implementation? So what they have to do is they say, you know, I listened to a podcast on, um, how to make sure communication stays king during remote working. Right. And so, um, we're like, okay, great. And they're like, I loved what they, when they said, um, you know, this is the time when you have to have extra communication because people really feel lonely when they're at home by themselves. So what I'm going to implement is I'm doing an extra call with each of my agents every single week where I'm going to check in just to see how their family's doing. And so, that's just like a one little example, but they have to say like, this is what I'm going to do. And sometimes they will have went a step further and they will have already implemented. So they're like, I want to create this system um, with this form that so-and-so fills out. I already went to, to our web developer. He's already created it and it's on the website. And then, and we give out a gift card each week to whoever had the best implementation idea. And so they know that when there's a prize on the line, um, that if they go the extra step, so it not only gets them thinking, like, how can I have an impact on the company from what I listened to? But we also want them to be doers. We want them to take it to the finish line. So we really amazing. give to people who not only have an idea, but then implement it. And it's so amazing. we really, really reward that. It's amazing. I, I've, I've talked to, so for years, I've said that if you have your employees read a book or do a video, they should come in and do a five-minute book report. And then you've just taken it to the whole next level. I've been so frustrated with companies that have their employees read books or watch videos. They don't even get a book report, mm. let alone. But what you're doing is to the nth degree. That's, that's really, really powerful and so simple. So simple. And it gives people a voice. They feel like they are, they're getting to make an impact in the company. And that was one of the biggest things, mm. you know, yeah, I, they're getting to make their own decision me. on something to do and do, go do it. And you're, you're already giving them permission. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of people ask me, they're like, why have you stayed at that company so long? You know, and I'm at the top end of them, the like I have a couple names of my generation. I'm like yeah. the older millennial, but then they call us something else. And that generation is known to stay somewhere a couple of years, then move to the next step and move to the next step. And I said, one of the things that I've loved about being at this company is we have the opportunity to make changes and make an impact. And you don't just feel like you, you put a note in and or fill out a comment. This would be great if we had this. And then a couple of years later, you see someone else taking, you know, as a company, we've implemented this. This is done. We are all on the front line and everybody has a voice. And by doing that, it empowers them. They all feel like this, is, this isn't this is Chantel Re Real Estate Company. This isn't Simpronto Company. This is their company. Like they're, It's almost like they're all the stakeholders and they all have some bite in it and they get to see that come through. And we give credit where credit's due. And so that's, that is, it's an empowering um, culture and they feel like they have a voice. It's really cool. All right, so you just touched on something and I've been wanting to ask the question. You're sitting here as a second in command for a big real estate group, 180 employees operating in four, four offices. And then 
on the side, you just start to co-start a marketing agency. Is yes. it tied into Chantel Ray at some point or? Yes. So for a year, so Chantel has always done her in marketing. Um, you know, it's just something that she's gifted at. And so as, as we did that, we added on um, our web developers, we added on videographers at any given time. We have between two and four videographers on staff. We produce all our own commercials or in radio spots. Um, you know, we, we run all of our own social media and people have for years have come and said, you guys need to open your own marketing company. We're like, no, no, we don't have time for that. We're running a real estate company. Like we don't have time for a marketing company. Well, as over the years, the last few years, like Chantel and I have really worked hard to automate our real estate company. So it can kind of just run on autopilot. And so systems, processes, automation are huge. That is, that is what I do every single day. How can I make this run faster, stronger, and without less hands involved? Yeah. And so that has allowed us then to, over the last year, we were like, you know, we, we have time now, like we can really start to do this for other people. And so um, we basically broke off a, a kind of a portion of Chantoa real estate into this company called Simpronto. And now we're able to, of course, we do all of the marketing and media for Chantoa real estate, but we also do it for other companies as well, producing podcasts, producing commercials, producing sales funnels. Um, we have the whole team behind that, that we've been doing for ourselves all these years and have proven growth of how we've been able to use our marketing and our media to grow our company and our revenues every single year. Now we can do it for other people. So what we did and what we developed over all these years has allowed us then to break off into this other company um, that we can now do for other people that they've been asking years for. Um, and now we're able to do that. That's really, it's strong. I like it. It makes a lot of sense. It's cool the way you're, you're kind of scaling this thing out. So what's the focus now for Chantel Ray for the organization? And you talked a little bit about tweaking um, the vision. How mm -hmm. have you cast your new vision or how have you tweaked it? So, you know, we at times thought we might want to franchise. That's why we were on the storefront um, kind of model. You know, the only way yeah. to grow is to put more stores out. Yeah. And we tried that in Charlotte. We actually put a storefront in Charlotte, North Carolina, which was, it's about six hours from us. And what we found was that um, one of the things that makes our real estate company unique is we provide leads for our agents. So when I say we grew during recession and, and like, not that we're excited by any means for going in a recession, but this is a time when we will grow again, is we provide leads and appointments for our agents. We have a call center that sets appointments for them. So we did that in Charlotte. And what we found was that we had all of these carrying costs in Charlotte. We had a building, we had manager salaries, we had admin salaries, and the average real estate lead to like from generation, lead generation to close time is about eight months. So we had eight months of cost growing before those first closings started to come in. And it was a really great lesson for us to learn that that was kind of what took our pivot. We were like, okay, we got to rethink this. This is yeah. not how we're going to yeah. scale and grow. Not in this was before all of the craziness of now is happening. We were like something we're, we're doing something wrong and let's, let's re let's step back and relook at this. And that's when we decided in order to scale and to grow nationally, um, we needed to figure out how to be able to work without any storefronts. And so that's where we've created this virtual model. So we've turned basically uh, a couple of our offices as their leases have run out, we've turned them into these virtual pods where they basically have a leader they have a hub near them that they can go into if they needed to 
like print or see someone, but most agents don't want to go into an office. They work from Starbucks, Panera. Most clients want to meet in their home or at the property. So we don't need offices to meet people. So what we have done over the last six months is create new systems where we're able to literally like we have this interactive onboarding that we're launching on Monday. So when a new agent comes on, they don't have to sit down and meet with anyone anymore to sign paperwork. They have this fun interactive um, little program where they get to fill out their name, birthday, license number, all of these different things. They automatically sign everything electronically. It puts it in a task system. One of the admin grabs it, they onboard them onto our systems, and then they're there. They're already in training. And so we don't have to have these physical locations anymore. So that's been the biggest thing is that that's kind of what we wanted to relaunch to our agents because the thing is when people see something changing, like why aren't you opening an office in this area? Why aren't you opening an office here? They're like, oh, is something wrong? Is the company doing bad? Like why yeah, aren't yeah. you? And yep. so we had to kind of cast that to them to say, listen, we're not gonna buy any more buildings. We don't need to. We can provide you everything you want virtually. And you've already shown us that you hate coming in the office. So we're going to, we don't need to keep providing office spaces for you that you're not coming in. So we're creating this virtual environment for you. And we wanted them to see that so that they understood where we were going. Do you measure anything like revenue per employee or gross margin per employee or profit per employee to see if you're gaining efficiencies as an organization over the years? You know, not particularly, we should do that. Um, and that's something that I absolutely will implement after this. I mean, we look at our growth revenue over the year and obviously no, it's on, it's gotta be on a, yeah. on a per employee basis. The per employee part is the economic denominator yeah. because you can gain what, what was tweaking for me. And I've seen it with a lot of companies is we can either gain efficiencies or lose efficiencies as yes. we grow. And yes. the entrepreneur is often going, God, it was so much easier when there were less of us. Yes. Which and, I will. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's a hundred percent true. Just looking at, our employee count from last year to what we currently have, we we have almost half of the employees we did, but we're doing the same amount of work. Oh, and amazing. And that's because we have been able to, like I'll give you an example. Please. Um, for, so for instance, like what we call our branch office administrator, they, they process all of the contracts for our agents. And so they do everything from when the, like when the listing gets turned in or a contract gets turned in, they take it to closing. So for instance, um, they run a checklist on it. And so like when I first started working for the company, they had these 12 page paper checklist. And so one of the things that I did when I was in that department was said, this is going bye bye. We're not doing paper checklists anymore. They all about had a heart attack because they're high S's, they're admin, they don't like any change. And I created, I found a system where they could do everything for online. And so once, so what we did was I made this checklist and it reminds them every, like say every seven days they have to check in on the file. So every seven days, a human has to go and say, Hey, is this on schedule to close? They get an yeah. email back, they forward it. So just this past month, I sat down with my web developer and I was like, I don't want them doing that anymore. You are smart enough to write code that um, knows when they, when they, when a contract goes in, it's going to know if it's in this status every seven days, it's going to send an email to this contact that's labeled the closer and sends them an email since, cause they're all just writing this templated email and they're taking time. And so it's things like that that have allowed us to be able to do the exact same work with half the amount of people. And so that's what I try to do is literally, I don't try to get rid of people's jobs cause we find other places for them or, you know, natural attrition happens, but when we don't have to keep hiring more people to do the exact same thing, I'm able to do the more volume with less people. And so 
if I, if I did that based on what, who we had last year and what we currently have, um, I would say that our efficiency has definitely gone up because we're able to do the same, same amount of work with a, with a less amount of people. I love it. Did you get any pushback internally with the team when you started doing that? Oh, yes. Always. Um, they, you know, they're, I have to tell them, I always have to remind them of a previous time when we've been through a change. They don't, you know, they don't love change. So I kind of have to um, delicately go through that process with them. And so sometimes they love it because they'll, you know, I've, I've done almost all of their jobs. And so that's where, because I, I kind of came through the ranks, I have an understanding of how frustrating things can be. And so I, I will sit down with them and say, listen, I know this is annoying and this takes time. So if I got this off of your plate, would you be happy? Yes. And so then we go to the next process. And so I kind of try to do it in a way, but there are some things that they are like, oh, you're taking something away from me. I'm losing control. And, but then like 30 days, I tell them, give it 30 days. And in 30 days, they're like, oh, I'm so much happier. I feel out less stressed. I'm like, yes, because you're not doing a mundane task that automation could do for you. I like it. Yeah, there's a friend of mine, Ari Mizell. He talks about stop, optimize, automate, outsource as a mm -hmm. way to think about things. And and often, yes. often we try to optimize stuff or automate it. But before we even do that, it's often good to see if we even need to do it. Right? Do we exactly. just kill stuff off? I love that you actually were able to optimize your team by so much to get rid of you know a lot of the people as well over time. Yeah, and we've always <laughs> said if it's not our core competency, we need to outsource it. And mm. it's often. What you know, do you outsource now? Yeah. So um, one thing that we used to do, so when I was an admin, we had showing calls and that means anytime anyone wanted to see a house. So one of our guarantees is that you'll, um, we have a live agent from 8am to 9pm and we'll never miss your showing call. And that's different in the real estate industry because you know, not every person can have somebody available. So we sure. have this little flip phone that and a, we had a spreadsheet we print out every day and someone would call to show a house and we'd find them on the spreadsheet and we'd schedule it and, it, and everything. So what we did was I came one day and I, as you know, as the years progressed on and I was more in an operational role, I said, you know, this is just really time consuming and something we should not be handling. Um, we had moved it to our salespeople, so our inside sales center. And I was like, it is not the best use of their time to be scheduling a showing for someone when they could be making an outbound call to set an appointment with someone who's actually going to generate us revenue. So I found a program oh, that cost us roughly, you know, say it was only going to, it was going to cost us $1,500 a month and they handled everything. It was a 24 hour showing service. All we had to do was enter the instructions in and we never had to touch it again. They had better technology, a better system for it. And it took all of those customer service calls off my salespeople so they could be, they could do twice as much sales calls. And so sometimes, you know, you're like, Oh, that's an expensive program. But when you really look at how much time somebody is doing a task that is not revenue generating, yeah. it's got to go. Yeah. And so things like that, we just, it's like, that's got to go. That's got to outsource where that's not our core competency. We're not doing it anymore. Good for you. Smart call. All right. If you were to um, think about your team right now, are there any core areas that you're trying to grow your management team or your leaders on right now? Yeah, we're just constantly trying to grow them in um, thinking of like, what, what is the next best, like what's going to be our next move? So a lot of times, you know, we'll listen to things and there's a lot of great self-development out there, but, and we encourage that. Like, we, you know, sometimes they'll listen to a podcast and say, I didn't really get anything I can implement, but I found some better things, you know, how I can manage my team better or whatnot. But what we really want them focusing on is how can they 
find an area that they manage and take it to the next level? How can they find something that we're currently doing that's not efficient? And how can they like bring that to light? You would be shocked at how often people do tasks just because it's on their task list. Yep. And, and when we come to them and I'll be like, we used to have a moving truck and every this, they would check it out to clients. And so they'd have the sheet and they checked it out. And one day I went over and I pulled the book out and I was like, this says that, you know, we need to do X, Y, Z. And they're like, I was like, we don't do this anymore. And they're like, oh yeah, I know, but it's on the checklist. So I just check it off every time. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you tell someone? And so trying to constantly put people in a mindset to think you might do something every day, but every now and then you have to kind of step back and say, is what I'm doing really what I should be doing? And Good is there any way we could do it better? And Good so that's really the behaviors that we try to reward is when they find something, I mean, it is like, we'll blast it out to the company and say, we just want to give kudos to XYZ because we've lived like, they discovered that we've been doing this and this process is old. We shouldn't be doing this anymore. And that's where we try to get everybody bought into the vision of how can I make things excellent and efficient? Like that's one of our core values, excellence and efficiency in everything we do. And so right. trying to have everybody live that, that is, is really important. Yeah, it's really smart. And I love again that you're kind of challenging the employees to find a better way and to, to get efficient on their own. And then also it sounds like to learn about the stuff that they're working on. One of my coaching clients in Europe, in Geneva, anytime he's thinking about his core projects for the next quarter, he goes out to the Harvard Business Reviews and tries to find the old Harvard Business Review articles or booklets that are all about that stuff. And he tries to learn about it. So it's like, if I got mm -hmm. a board meeting in six weeks, I'm going to read everything about board meetings. Yes. He's always trying to apply his learning to something very specific instead yes. of general. It's smart. Yes. All right. If we were to go back to the Heather Remick, who was you know, 21, 22 years old, yes. just graduating college and was going to go into real estate, what word of advice would you give yourself back then that now you know to be true, but you wish you'd known earlier on? Um, I am a perfectionist and I have a hard time letting go of things, letting go of projects, letting go of tasks. Um, that's been my Achilles heel as someone who throughout the company has done every job. And yeah. I often find myself doing something that I shouldn't be doing just because mm. I know how to do it. And I, you know, I feel like I can do it better and faster than someone else. And so one of the things that I, I still work on daily is, is delegation. Um, in my personal life and in my business life, I, I like control. Um, that's something that is, is very difficult for me to give up. And so I, I've gotten much, much better at it. Um, but it is a skill that I have to work on a lot. And I've had to learn, you know, you can't do everything. You, you just can't. And that's how I'm able to juggle so many things is I place people in my life that I trust and I hire people. When I hire someone, I want to make sure that they're able to do the job and then I have to trust that they're going to do it. And yes, every now and then I have to step in and, and I'll, I'll, I'm the first, we, we lead by servant leadership here. I'm not going to ask somebody to take the trash out that I wouldn't do it myself. And there are times that I step in and say, yes, I will do this too. Like, I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't do. But um, it is something that I had a hard, hard time at first. And I learned the, the hard way. I was just at points just overwhelmed. Like, how am I going to get all this done in a day? And um, that was the great thing about having a really supportive CEO is she would say, Heather, we need to have a hard talk. Someone else can do this and you need to give it to them. And um, that was difficult for me because I was used to doing everything. Sure, and so learning to delegate that. 
It's amazing. She's got a very, very solid COO in her wing. So um, oh, yeah, super impressed. I've, I've been scribbling down my notes to pass on to some of my coaching clients too. Oh, thank you. Heather Remick, the COO for Chantel Real, uh, Ray Real Estate. Really appreciate you sharing with us on the Second Command podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for amazing. having me. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya for access to our premium content. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.